Welcome to another episode of the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. As always, I am your host, Brandon. And on today's episode, flying solo. Just want to do a little bit of draft analysis. I haven't done a solo draft analysis episode yet, and I just figured I've been absorbing a lot of content and just analysis on upcoming rookies in this draft that will be here at the end of April. Wow, coming up fast, and it's just crazy because we've just been having a beautiful week here in the lovely state of Minnesota, so just kind of feeling summer in the air. It means that we are getting to the point where the NFL draft starts, then rookie minicamp, then everything that comes with off-season NFL football and training and the rumors fly, and then before we know it, summer's done, and everything else happens, and the football season begins, and it's just uh, it just all repeats itself. So, so it has, um, my whole life at least, and hopefully it continues to do so, so I can keep on churning out these awesome podcasts for you all. With that being said, as always, we're brought to you by Phantom Sports Industries. Join us at phantomsportsindustries.com for all your sports section needs on the internet. We have all your favorite stories. We got the two uh, the two big NBA playoff play-in games. Uh, not two, but four, spanning over two nights. So check out those stories on that. WWE, racing, MMA, anything like that. Hockey playoffs, MLB. All of that going on right now, even off-season NFL stuff, not to be remiss. A lot of synergy going on with the podcasts right now in anticipation of the draft happening. So check all of those shows out. The Dakota Haynes Show, one of our newer podcasts. Well, but Dakota's been around for a while with Phantom. So if you're here because of Phantom, you should know who Dakota is by now, I would say. And then check out our other podcast, the Phantom Football Podcast, Tricky Tricky Takes, and Odds On Favorite. You can go back and listen to some of those draft episodes, some of those mock drafts, and all the things, too. Also on the Simon Short Podcast, we did a pretty thorough mock draft as well. You can watch me fall flat on my face drafting Jack Campbell for the Philadelphia Eagles in, with the 10th pick. Dumb move by me. Should have done Bijan Robinson, but you know what? Hindsight's always twenty twenty, and when we're in the heat of the moment and we see a hole a team needs to fill, sometimes we make rash decisions, just like NFL GMs. So, without further ado, I'm going to hit this intro. I'm going to see you on the other side. We're going to cover rookies at the fantasy football positions. everybody for those of you that are following along at home i am getting my draft rankings just kind of not i wouldn't say like my my analysis 100 from this place but i'm relying a lot on nfldraftbuzz.com for just kind of a, a great site to just get stories and updates from uh, across the prospect space uh, by by no means they're a sponsor of the show but that's just where I've been accumulating data so to speak and just analyzing things from uh, 
30,000 foot view, which is definitely where I'm from sitting in my basement recording this podcast. I'm not seeing these guys at their pro days. I wasn't at the combine like David Heilman was. Fortunately, that was a gem being able to have him on the show just to tell us the combine side of things. But looking at some of this stuff here, I'm genuinely curious how some of these guys are going to pan out um, because some of the draft consensus going on right now, especially in that top four or five picks that's happening right now in the Carolina scout room, they are in love with the potential of Bryce Young and what he could be for them. And this is going to be really interesting. Um, I don't believe he's 5'10", 204 pounds. I think he's probably 5'8", and probably somewhere around 180, 190, honestly. I mean, if he is that, if, if those are his true measurables, it's a game changer. But I think that when you're looking at what Bryce Young's potential is, it's not so much his measurables physically. It's what's between the ears and uh, he definitely has proven that he's capable of winning at a high level. Now, I think that the, some of the SEC defenses haven't been as strong as they've been in years past. I think that every SEC defense usually has a handful of dudes that are ath athletic freaks that will be playing at the NFL or in the at the next level. But seldom I have seeing a complete defensive unit like Georgia, like what Alabama puts in year in and year out. Um, we see a lot of accumulation of SEC guys end up in the NFL, but I'm not so sold on them as much as others are, especially in the scouting world. Don't get it twisted. I do think the SEC is the best college football conference out of all of them, but when it comes to putting out NFL caliber starting players, I think that the SEC brings the athletes into the league, and I think that some of the Big Ten players bring in some of the better all-around football players. So it, you just look at the, the body of work, the all-pros, everything like that. It's, such, it's so diverse once you get to the NFL. And yes, it's dominated heavily by the SEC, but I think that the top part of the SEC is so concentrated that that's where the lion's share of those guys come from, with the Alabama, the Georgia, the Auburn. You know, it's not so much, I mean, occasionally you'll get a South Carolina dude. You see the Florida guys, of course, and it's just not as many of them as it is the Alabama, Georgia, Auburn guys. I mean, not to be remiss, I, Texas A&M put some dudes out there too, but and I know I'm leaving somebody in the cold here, probably Kentucky, Mississippi, Ole Miss, all those fans probably like, oh, Big Ten guy talking about the SEC. Hey, I'm just speaking from what we see at the next level, and I don't get it twisted. I think that the SEC is head and shoulders, but I don't think it's by it. I don't think the gap is as big as it once was. Um as it as it has been so with that being said I just want to kind of talk about quarterbacks here Bryce Young so if Bryce Young goes one that means the Texans are probably going to take CJ Stroud and I think that the Texans are kind of in the same position that the Chargers were going into the Justin Herbert situation Miami had the pick before the Chargers 
and the Chargers were like, we'll take Tua or Justin Herbert, whoever the Dolphins don't want. So essentially, I think the the Texans are might be in a similar situation here where C.J. Stroud is the next guy. And then the Cardinals are sitting there with that third pick. I'm not sure what they're still doing with it. And I would be capitalizing on taking advantage of whoever wants to move up to take uh, Anthony Richardson, who I, I firmly believe that Anthony Richardson is going to be the third quarterback off the board. Um, if if it is Will Levis, that that's interesting. I want to understand what the plan is from that front office. And if it's Hendon Hooker, uh, I want to know who what the plan is. That So I, I do think that these top five could go in the first round. Um, but there is a chance that Hendon Hooker could fall to the second just because of his age, his injury history, and just the overall, what you'll have to deal with with Hendon Hooker ultimately. Don't get it twisted. I think Hendon Hooker was an incredible player for Tennessee this past year. He had incredible receivers with Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman, and they did the best they could with the situation they had and outperformed expectations, in my opinion. I remember a couple of years ago, I was specifically looking for Tennessee games just to bet against Tennessee in SEC play because Tennessee was so garbage, but they've really done a good job of turning that program around the this new regime, and uh, I think it's only... Uh, just clear skies ahead for Vol Nation just because of that coaching staff. And I think we'll be seeing a lot more prospects coming from them. So there you go, Tennessee. I didn't mention you when I was on my SEC rant, but I'm giving you your flowers now. Um, credit where credit's due. Don't get that twisted. So, yeah, uh, it's interesting seeing the SEC quarterbacks here. I don't I, – obviously, I don't – put them all in the same bucket but we kind of have to because this is a sample size that competed against each other and it's super interesting when the guy that basically outclassed all of them um Stetson Bennett well and I don't know if I'd say outclassed but he won more than these guys so that's the interesting component I'm wondering if what a team is looking at when they're picking Stetson Bennett because if I'm looking for a backup quarterback, I really like his potential. Um, I also like Max Duggan. Clayton Toon put up fat stats along with Jake Hayner at, at Houston and Fresno State, respectively. And then I, I've seen, this is Packer talk, seeing a lot of Sean Clifford stuff, and I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like I'm not as thrilled about that particularly. I feel like I would rather have uh, somebody else, but I don't make the picks. So that's just that. And that's my quarterback takes right now from how I'm seeing things in the draft. And I don't really have an opinion here. I'm kind of Switzerland when it comes to this. I will say though, if Bryce Young ends up in Carolina, that's a really good situation. They've got an incredible offensive line. Uh, Miles Sanders is, uh, he, I mean, if he can be a share or even an improvement from what he was last year with the Eagles, that would bode extremely well for Bryce Young stepping in there as a rookie quarterback. And I, Terrace Marshall could have a really great year, and Carolina could probably win the NFC South because that division is extremely weak. And I don't necessarily understand where each of those respective franchises are going, um, but Frank Reich comes in with a whole new staff, essentially, 
Bryce Young comes in as a new quarterback, and they have a lot of pieces already put together to get the car started and just go. So we'll have to look at it from a scheduling standpoint, too, once that all comes into play um, to see who has the best strength of schedule and how that shakes out for Carolina in particular. But from a division standpoint, that could be very advantageous. So Bryce Young as a fantasy quarterback, going into dynasty drafts, I don't hate the pick, but I feel like with Bryce Young, if you want to take advantage of that, you're going to have to take advantage of it early because if if something happens, he starts getting banged around and we run into a Tua Tengavailoa situation, that's worst case scenario. Best case scenario, we end up with the next Drew Brees. So that's your uh, fire that you get to play with when you come into evaluating getting Bryce Young. Then when we go into C.J. Stroud, we just kind of are forced to look at the body of work with all Ohio State quarterbacks. And that's not necessarily the most fun. We've got Cardell Jones, Bust, Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace, but just was not, the productivity was not there on the field. Uh, it's interesting seeing what Justin Fields is capable of. I don't necessarily put him in that Ohio State quarterback bucket because of his unique skill set, but he played there and he still has that Ohio State rub on him. And he's just a little more dual threat than a lot of those guys. He has a lot more versatility. C.J. Stroud throws a beautiful ball. Uh, If you have some top-tier receivers, he will be able to get them the ball. But I think that the pieces around C.J. Stroud need to be top-tier for him to really thrive. It will be interesting to see what it looks like stepping into a situation like what the Houston Texans have because he no longer has the weapons that he had at Ohio State, the Garrett Wilsons, the Chris Olaves, the Marvin Harrison Juniors, the Jackson Smith and Jigbas. He, he'll no longer be working with that anymore, so that's going to be interesting to see what Houston will put around him, because it's truly going to be a building effort. Uh, I do believe D'Amico is capable of helping him, uh, but he's not even going to be working with him 100% of the time. It's It's mostly going to be... It's mostly going to be the, who's it, who they bring in um, from, yeah, it's mostly going to be Bobby Slowick that's going to be running the show, the pass game coordinator from San Francisco last year. So that's going to be interesting to see what CJ is capable of with uh, Shanahan-influenced Bobby Slowick-coached offense. And then, yeah, let's looking at Anthony Richardson. If Anthony Richardson ends up in Indianapolis, like I hope he does, that would be Shane Steichen's dream because he can do what he was doing with Jalen Hurts and elevate it, I think, with Anthony Richardson. But I don't think Anthony Richardson has the the between the ears that Jalen Hurts does. Um, Jalen Hurts is a rare breed in terms of what he's capable of as a quarterback. So I'll be interested to see what happens there. And then Will Levis is... Uh, that could be that that could be fool's gold. I do think you need to have the right situation for him, but I also think he just might not have it. And I just hope that a team isn't going to be walking into a Carson Wentz situation when they plug him in. I hope that he has some time behind somebody to really learn more. Um, but we'll see if we're going to fall back on the fact he was injured all of last season. All right, I'll believe it when I see it. Prove me wrong, Will Levis. I want to see it. Hendon Hooker is also a very special player in my opinion, but like I said, 
the age concerns me along with the injury history. He had an incredible season at Tennessee, but we're, to to see it at the next level, that's going to be a totally different uh, set of wheels that he will be driving on. So I'm I am curious what he might look like at the next level. Will he get an opportunity? Will a team want to make the investment for him to get healthy and then potentially be available as a potential starter or backup yet to be determined? This is why I think Hendon Hooker could fall to the late first or early second out of these four guys. So we'll stay tuned. I could be completely wrong here in what I'm thinking, but regardless of that, we're going to move on to running backs because this is an interesting situation. And as we've talked about a lot on this podcast, the running back position is only getting younger. They're not getting older. Um, Older running backs are not going to have the same success that they once did. Uh, It's just too much tread on the tires. And I know I've talked about some older rookie running backs, but it's just not there for them. And I am genuinely curious because when we look at the guys like pulling up Bijan here, Bijan, 21. Let's see, Jameer Gibbs, probably also 21. Because I know that um, Dwayne McBride, yep, Gibbs, 21. Dwayne McBride is 21. Ty J. Spears is 21. And I know this is bad podcasting. Please bear with me. Because I just want to make sure that I have a chain up here. Because that's the interesting one. AJ in 21. Can you do something for me? And then Ty J. Spears, Dwayne McBride, R21. I know that for a fact. And then oh, let's just take a look here at Zach Chardonnay, who's been getting a lot of pop lately. Um, I'm not sure as to why, because he was okay. He's 22, so... He didn't, he didn't like wow me coming out of UCLA this past season. I th- a lot of people are talking him up because of his size. And if he ends up in the right situation where he, I don't think, as long as he's not the primary back, that could bode extremely well for him. I like how the table is being set for Bijan, Jameer Gibbs, Dwayne McBride, Tajay Spears. I think that those four guys come in and they are potentially your first down, second down backs. Bijan Robinson, three down back, obviously. Jameer Gibbs, it's going to be interesting where he goes and it's going to be fun. I want to see him be a returner in conjunction with running the football. So that could be, he's one of probably the, the most talented runners uh, Bijan being the most impressive athlete. So we shall see what happens. And obviously, A-Chain, the fastest out of the bunch. Zach Chardonnay, uh, Charbonnet did help himself this past season. But like I said, I had him on my fantasy college football team. And I, I wasn't, um, I, I was a little underwhelmed by him, honestly, by his production when stacking him up with some of these other guys. Dwayne McBride and Tajay Spears, 
I think that this is going to be an interesting test case because uh, small school guys, even like Keaton Mitchell here, Keaton's really undersized though. These small school guys that are able to mature well enough aren't, I don't think they need to necessarily transfer to a power five school to to get some additional exposure because I think that Dwayne McBride and Tajay Spears have been doing just fine getting their stock out there and proving their value. And that's why we see them up here is this high in the middle of the top 10. And I anticipate some big stuff from them. I think that running backs are one of the strongest groups this year in terms of what you can pick up that can be productive in redraft leagues. Um, it's not as it's not so much what you want to hear in dynasty, but if you ha- if your running back room is full and you can take some guys off the board from your league mates, some of these guys stacking them on your practice squad and then focusing on growing with players that are already on the market and when you have your auction, that could be interesting as well. So, yeah, I I would if I can get in a situation where I can get. Bijan, Gibbs, McBride, Spears, I would j- try to stash them potentially. Um, Zach Chardonnay, Charbonnet, I think actually Bijan and Charbonnet, I think you're going to have to play right away. Depending on what McBride and Spears do, you might want to play them right away too. But if you're in a situation where your running back room is stable, maybe picking these guys and letting them kind of mature like a fine wine, albeit knock on wood, all injuries avoidable if possible. But yeah, uh, Kendra Miller has good size. I see a lot of stuff like the fantasy, like the fantasy pros talking about Rashawn Johnson as a sleeper. Yeah, he has the size, but um, there's a reason why that was Bijan's room and Rashawn Johnson uh, I just ha- he's he's gonna be one of those dudes that just he can move a pile with his size. So, uh, and like I said, I I'm not trying to knock any of these guys. I'm just looking at it from a fantasy perspective, and and what I'll know we'll know a lot more once these guys are drafted. I'm just talking about pound for pound who looks like they can be an impactful player on any roster once they step in the building. Um, obviously, uh, we'll know more when situations are um, actually on the table here. But those are just some of my thoughts. And like I said, the, the beauty of this group here is the top tier guys are 21 and have a lot of potential. And don't get twisted. Like I love the Evan Hulls. I love the Chase Browns. But they've got some mileage on them. And that could that could break them uh, at the next level, essentially. Uh, Chase Brown played a lot of football at Western Michigan before he transferred to Illinois. Evan Hull, Northwestern, played a lot of different roles. So that, that could be interesting for them. Uh, Tanks Bigsby could be an interesting prospect out of Auburn. He, he has the size, but the production sometimes just wasn't there for some of these guys like Bigsby, Evans, Kendra Miller. Um, that That's where I kind of, I get a little, I don't know, the athleticism just wasn't there for them as much as it was for this top, this top group here. Um, so 
we shall see. There's always surprises that occur. And like I said, I hope I get surprised by some of these guys. But who I'm looking at, it's probably focused on this top six here in terms of what they're capable of when they get arm tackled, what they were to what they were to their respective teams, how they dominated in games, just it stands out amongst this group, and that's why I'm bringing them up. Like it's nothing against Devon A Chain even. It's just that I like the potential of these guys that have a little more durability. A Chain screams, it you know it could it could get bad for him if he gets hit enough. Um, like I said. I hope I get surprised, but I really like the potential of B. John. Uh, Gibbs even has some size questions. Uh, McBride and Spears, uh, those are my three favorites. But of course, if I'm in a situation where I have to pick Gibbs in my draft, I'm not going to hesitate because if he's going to end up on a team that's actually going to use him, I I want a piece of that, please. Like, don't get it twisted. Bijan's going to go first off most boards, especially in Dynasty, and he'll probably be a first-round pick in most redraft leagues. But if I'm in a situation where I get to take advantage of what Gibbs has, that could be pretty fun as a fantasy manager. I also just... I, I, I don't know if anybody else has been watching Tyje Spears' film, but Tyje Spears has just been fun, and I wish I would have watched him more live uh, this past season and that's going to be something that I'm going to be looking for on the college fantasy football side of things going into next uh, this next college football season and hopefully we'll get Jared Palmgren on to to talk about that who who the next Dwayne McBride and Ty J Spears will be because I don't, whatever that is I want a piece of that personally and that also just translates very well to the NFL so it's tough because, you know, I used to love seeing these guys stay in college as long as they did. But as soon as you turn 21 and you had any ounce of productivity in college, you're turning over to the big leagues as quickly as you can. You have to at this point because you might not get another opportunity, um, especially if your juice is worth the squeeze. Moving on, the wide receivers. Now, this year, wide receivers, it's fairly weak, I think. Um, like even when you look at Quentin Johnson and Jackson Smith and Jigba, they have their imperfections as well. I think the best thing that they have going for them in terms of Quentin Johnson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, it's their age. Their age is what is, is working in their favor for them. They're all 21, 21 ish. Um, I believe Jalen Hyatt is too. And that just means more years of being able to be productive. And if I'm a fantasy football owner, or if I'm a dynasty player in particular, I want guys for as long as I can get them. And that list is is very short. Yep, Jalen Hyatt, also 21. That The list is very short. Um, so, yeah, if I have an opportunity to take one of those guys, um, I think I'm capitalizing on it. And then after that, we're all talking about guys that are 23. Now, I think Zay Flowers is an incredible leader. Uh, I think that he shows a lot of potential and will be a special player. But as we move down the line here, we're talking about guys that are getting older and older. Um, 
we're looking at the likes of Nathaniel Dell, Cedric Tillman, Marvin Mims, A.T. Perry, Rashi Rice. Uh, these guys just, they're not, they don't have that age number working in their favor. Now that, uh, you know, those guys could come out and have very long NFL careers. You know, I, I wish them all the best. But if they were good enough, they would have already been in the NFL. So if that makes sense, what I'm trying to get at here, um, and this could also be an interesting case study as well, is the wide receiver position getting younger and younger uh, because the opportunity to get paid a higher salary than what NIL offers you in college is so it's so lucrative and so advantageous. And if I'm about that paper, like most of these guys are, I don't think I hesitate if I have an opportunity to get to the league once I turn 21, Um, especially if I have the cachet. Like Jordan Addison, the reason why he went to go play with Caleb Williams at USC, um, Pickett went to the NFL. He didn't have the quarterback play that he was going to get. And obviously, who doesn't want to play in SoCal, um, well, I guess CJ Williams doesn't because he transferred to Wisconsin. Nonetheless, Jordan Addison still showed up and showed out. And we all saw what he did the year prior. He has the name recognition. So he is going to get that attention and he still has the potential to be a special receiver, despite not having the measurables we necessarily would want. And this group of receivers, they're just not as fast. They're, they're, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jacob, best route runner. Quentin Johnson, probably the, I mean, he looks the part. Will he play the part? I guess that's the question. Jalen Hyatt, I love what I saw from him in Tennessee. And Jordan Addison, we, we, if you've watched any college football, you should know what he's capable of. Zay Flowers, Josh Downs, we didn't hear about them until this past year. And it took them that long to break out. Whereas these other guys, they've broken out at a lot younger ages, and we knew about JSN and Jordan Addison the years prior uh, to them coming into the draft. Uh, Marvin, Mim- Marvin Mims is an interesting prospect, along with A.T. Perry as well. I, I kind of like these guys' film uh, personally. I love what Marvin Mims is potentially capable of, uh, especially the way Oklahoma used him in some third-down sets. Uh, 54 receptions over 1,000 yards. That... That stands out to me. He has volume potential. Um, it's a good, does a good job, but kind of a one-trick pony. A lot of these receivers, one-trick ponies. Quentin Johnson, it, he from everybody that's been talking about him, and even when you watch his stuff, you kind of see he only has one move that really gets him free. And NFL corners are a lot better and more versatile at the next level than they are in the Big 12. So I think that that might bite him in the rear in a welcome-to-the-league moment. Um I think that Zay Flowers has a little more versatility. Jordan Addison as well. Jalen Hyatt. Jackson Smith and Jigba. And, uh, yeah, Marvin Mims saying he only has kind of one one route. He, a lot of these guys, A.T. Perry even, just because of the the more uh, spread, spread out air raid type systems these guys came out of, it's not, it's not as robust as as NFL route trees, uh, even Josh Downs. I, I know that everybody was talking really highly on him, and uh, he might not be what it's all cracked out to be. 
regardless of what I'm saying here, I'm not trying to talk down these guys, but the receiver room just isn't as, it's not as, uh, it's just not as robust as, as it once was. I'd much rather take a running back than a wide receiver. If it came down to that decision, um, especially if I'm looking at a receiver that's 23 years old versus a running back that's 21, 22. So age has a lot to do with it, longevity of their career. And I know I'm kind of talking from an age perspective here. And, you know, like I've always said, I like getting proven wrong. Prove me wrong. I, I would I would love to take Marvin Mims in the second, um, in the second round of rookie drafts. He He's somebody that I'm targeting a little bit. And uh, we shall see what that looks like. I, also, Zay Flowers, too. But in terms of first round rookie draft guys, it's Quentin Johnson, Jackson Smith and Jacob, Jalen Hyatt, Jordan Addison. Don't even question it. It's just got to be that, and it's going to be those. It's going to be those top quarterbacks, the top running backs, and maybe two or three of these top four receivers, and then somebody might fall to the second. So, just uh, you know, be on your p's and q's. Obviously, in your deep, if you're in a deeper league, you know, uh, you know what you're looking at, but. Um, this is this is an interesting receiver class in that the the floor the the floor and the ceiling's low. That's that's the best way to say it. Uh, the floor is not very high, and the ceiling is kind of low. So, nonetheless, watch us get proved wrong. Honestly, if you're struggling in your receiver room. Look at some of the second-year guys that have fallen off or are no longer on contract. I saw a lot of second-year wide receivers that just ended up back on the auction block for upcoming auctions. Instead of trying to make one of these rookies work, pay up. If you have enough fab or enough like salary cap to work with in your Dynasty League, get a second-year guy. There's so many good dudes that weren't signed last year that probably should have gotten extended by the owner of that guy or franchise tagged. I'm just speaking from uh from a contract league standpoint that I do through League Tycoon. Um I'm just surprised that some of the wide receivers weren't signed to multi-year deals and I'm not going to lie, I was an idiot who traded Garrett Wilson. At least I got a draft pick out of it, but um I'm going to be looking at potentially probably signing more second year wide receivers just to help fortify the youth on my roster but accumulate potential production that has a high percentage of success going into this next season so that's kind of the recommendation here in redraft I don't even know if I'm looking at any of these guys Uh, maybe the top four here Quinton JSN, Jalen Hyatt, Addison, those are the only four I'd even sniff and redraft. The rest of these guys, we're going to have to see what it looks like uh, come time preseason and if there is any potential for them. So we got a lot of guys that could be returning a lot of kicks and punts that are coming from this year's wide receivers. And then for the tight end side of the equation, it's going to be short and sweet here. Rookie tight ends they just don't they they don't really get involved as much in the offense the wrinkles of the offense just don't favor them and it it's not like they're baby deer out there it's just that they are 
things get simplified for them being rookie tight ends in that it's not it's going to be the shorter routes or the secondary or tertiary reads and a lot more blocking schemes for them and that's not a bad thing that's good if you're a good offensive coordinator tight ends coach and you're trying to bring these young guys on you don't want to put them in the pressure situations now these guys obviously believe they're capable of it because they're very confident people. They're, they, they, have a, they have a demeanor about them that makes them think that they are capable of accomplishing it. So from a dynasty perspective, I would just not draft a tight end because of this. Now, the tight end in this draft, I'd say that it is a very strong prospect class, but I just don't know who to expect to be productive the two pass the three pass catcher guys i'd say it's michael mayer dalton kincaid luke musgrave those three i think between those three i think there's an opportunity for one of them to actually be productive in the offense it all depends on which offense they end up in though and does that offensive coordinator integrate the tight end at a heavy level of opportunity from a route running standpoint and a target standpoint so That'll be the question. Uh, Greg Roman, I don't think he is coming back anytime soon. Um, I really wish he was because that was so much fun. Um, let's see here. Yeah, he is currently not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. These aren't some great stories that I'm reading about him. Um, but uh yeah i don't think he's coaching in the nfl right now for a reason and um but it's the nfl uh it's a it's an incestuous business i could see greg roman uh becoming an offensive coordinator potentially somewhere else um he decided to step down though so that might bode well or you know he might have stepped down but it might have been uh a gentle nudge from the organization standpoint. That was one. The reason why I'm mentioning Greg Roman is that was like the one predictable, like, oh, this guy gets his tight ends the ball. And so that's the thing. I'm not 100% confident I can pinpoint who that coordinator is. Um, of course, you know, we know that Andy Reid likes to do that. We saw a lot from Pete Carroll. And we also saw a huge dose of that from the Denver Broncos as well. And um, it's just all going to depend. Uh, oh, also, um, in Jacksonville, Doug Peterson got Evan Ingram involved. Um, he had some pretty explosive weeks. But looking for that consistency, that consistency at the tight end position, it's still such a difficult thing to find. And... I feel like I'm more confident going after a guy that has more potential upside, you know, getting Fryermuth back or, you know, honing in on Kelsey or Mark Andrews if that caliber of a tight end is at your disposal, depending on what you have or what your league is set up to do. Uh, I really like looking at some of the second year guys like Bellinger, Chigan Konkwu. Oh, like that? Said his name right for the first time. Not Okuno, Okonkwu. Okonkwo. So yeah, I really like Okonkwo. So that there's a couple of dudes also that were pretty 
good in college fantasy. I I did like what Brenton Strange and uh, Sam Laporta offer uh, to an offense, a more versatile, uh, dual-purpose tight end. That could be interesting. Zach Kuntz coming out of Old Dominion's just tall. Um, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up Darnell Washington. He's a just huge dude, but I think he's kind of what Jelani Woods is a little bit. He he's he's more athletic than Jelani Woods. I'm not saying that he's Jelani Woods, but like he's not. He's gonna be used predominantly as a blocker because that's what he was used for at Georgia. And you need a guy like Darnell Washington to take up that space to help protect your quarterback. He'll get a, the occasional like red zone play action type, but he's not going to be running. You know, he's not going to be running forty yards for a touchdown. Now, if that happens, I'll be shocked, and I will take and eat my crow and eating eat it accordingly and smile while I do it. But that's just my that's just my thoughts on it. Now, I do think though you could see Luke Musgrave doing that just because of his versatility and measurables speak more to a tight end that can do those types of things. Darnell Washington does have 4-6 speed, but his size kind of makes me think more of a blocker. And you know what? That speed that he has, he could be a great downfield blocker, especially in the run game. And NFL teams, they love that and they need that, especially if you want to establish the run. Having that extra dude in there that can throw that weight around and push like push those linebackers into the second level, that or the third level, I should say, that would be exponentially profitable for a team to have that versatility at that position to protect the edges so the running back doesn't have to worry about the tacklers coming downwind. So yeah, that's kind of my just overall draft analysis. I know it wasn't really like full of, you know, stats and just logistical things but i have a pretty good feel on this stuff especially in fantasy football and if you want more of that analytical detail i do recommend listening to other podcasts not just my own because i can give you a pretty good i could give you a pretty good snapshot of some of this stuff but what i really thrive in is looking at what the production is and where it's projected to go um and I'm not 100% good at that from a standpoint of, you know, I have the crystal ball, but I like to at least think that I know a thing or two about football because of how much of it I consume. If you want more of the analytical stuff, I recommend listening to JJ Zacharyson, um, the fantasy footballers. I don't recommend listening to the fantasy pros. I find them to be a bit dull. Um, if you want to also look up some additional resources too, um, NFLDraftBuzz.com is a great free resource. Gives you kind of the stories of the guys here. And if you want to look at some more particular, like specific stats that college football allows us to get, um, I recommend going to the SportsReference.com, the college football. I always do the college football sports reference, and it usually takes me there. And I can look at how these guys have produced. Um, we've done a pretty good job analyzing college guys. And we're going to keep doing a couple episodes this month talking about the prospects accordingly. And who's going to transition well 
into the NFL in particular. And I'll be bringing on some guests who can really help talk about that more thoroughly than myself. And regardless of that, I hope that this helps give you a little snapshot on what I'm looking at from the NFL draft side of things, from the fantasy relevant positions. Everything else after that is just, it's all going to depend on where the guys draft are, are drafted. The team's situation is going to depict on what's going to be expected of this guy in his rookie year. Some rookies, they get a full plate of workload. Other guys, it's situational. And then some guys just get put on the bench for depth or they're utilized in the special teams. And that's okay because ultimately at the end of the day, these guys want to play football as long as they can. But as a fantasy football owner, I want to see these guys accumulate as many stats as possible. So it's it's kind of the, you know, it's it's the it's the weight and balances. And don't get twisted. Like these guys want more stats too, because they get paid more when the stats say that. And, you know, we we reap the benefits in fantasy football. So regardless of that, this has been fun just kind of looking at all of this stuff. Use age as a measurable here. The guy who has been productive in college and is a lot younger has a has a much higher ceiling than an older guy who just finally figured out how to be productive in college football his senior year. Make sure you're factoring all of that in. What if the guy was having a productive sophomore year, got hurt his junior year, came back, had an incredible senior year? Then we're talking about a completely different set of scenarios. So take all of that into consideration. Look at the stats. Watch the film if you have access to it. Check out the highlight reels. They're fun times too. And just make sure that you are doing your due diligence because as our rookie drafts start happening, this stuff is going to come down to who has the best potential production starting in the 2023 season and hopefully extending for years to come so that you can keep stacking those championship assets and keep winning your leagues, being the envy of all your league mates. So with that being said, this has been the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by phantomsportsindustries.com. It's always fun talking with you guys and uh, coming to you uh, week in and week out with more of this stuff. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and I hope to see you on the next episode. You all have a great rest of your week. Peace.